We'll start with the first one. This is one we read last week. So what I want everyone to do is participate with me. We're going to read them out loud together. If you're new here today and you don't want to participate, that's okay. But for all of our Triumph members, there's no excuse. Here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I want to be a sheep of God, right? If I want to be a sheep, I've got to listen and follow. Here we go. John chapter 16, verse 13. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Read them, read them out loud every morning and just get them into your spirit. All right, you ready? One, two, three. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. We talked about this verse last week. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He is our guide. He wants to speak to you about your future. You've got questions. What do I do? Do I take the job? Do I not take the job? Do I marry this person? Do I not marry this person? Do I buy this house or buy that house? Do I buy this car or that car? Do I whip my kid or do I not whip my kid? Whatever the case is, he's our guide and he wants to speak into your spirit. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Ready? One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Why? Because who are we trying to listen to? We're trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. And he's going to tell you things that you don't understand. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There are going to be things that are confusing to us, but I'm not trusting in my own understanding. I'm trusting in him with all of my heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to help us with. Every decision in your life, 35,000 decisions you make every day on average. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you make those decisions. So if we can make better decisions, we'll end up with a better life. If we'll make God decisions, we'll end up with a God-sized life. The life that he dreamed of when he made you, when he called you his masterpiece, when, when, when he made that plan for you. But we've got to make decisions according to his will when we listen to his voice. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. One, two, three. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're a child of God. And here's the good news about that. Every promise that is given to you as a child of God, you can take it, and we'll talk about this later, as yes and amen, because the Bible says if you're led by the Spirit, if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're a child of God. How many of you want to be children of God? Flip your Bibles over with me now, if you will. Um, turn to Exodus chapter 33, but uh, I want to, uh, I'll show you a picture here in just a minute, but in Washington, D.C., and, and I don't know if you've ever had the chance to go, uh, I, think every, I think every American should go to, to see our nation's capital. It's beautiful. There's so much to see, so much to learn, so much to understand. Uh, so much of our history is contained within just a small, um, a lot of people live there, but it's actually not a large uh, piece of, uh, of land. When you go to the Capitol building, 
One of the rooms you would have a chance to visit on the tour is called Statuary Hall. Has anyone ever heard of Statuary Hall? Okay, a few people. Um, in this hall, it, it has statues of famous Americans, important Americans, uh, surrounding it. And I'll show you a picture. It's kind of a semicircle with a, with a kind of a dome over the top. Um, and so this is kind of a picture of what it looks like. Apologize for, I apologize for the resolution. But it's a beautiful place, beautiful floor, beautiful kind of uh, semicircle, rotunda uh, ceiling. It's beautiful. Uh, absolutely breathtaking. But here's what's unique. Uh, th this building is, this room is not used that much anymore, but it was used for 50 years as the place where the House of Representatives would meet. So there were desks all over the room, and they would meet here, and they would have their debates. Now there's a different place where they do that, but this is where the House of Representatives would meet. Here's what's very cool about this place. There is a place called the Whispering Spot, or the Whispering Place. And you can stand in one spot and you can whisper and 20 or 30 yards away, you can hear it as plain as day. You, you can stand over here by Pastor Kara, Pastor Ronnie, Pastor Melanie, and, and you can whisper and way over here by Rakita and Delton, you can hear them as if they were speaking right into your ear. Now in the middle, you can't hear it. In the back, you can't hear it. But when you get in the right place, for some reason, the way the acoustics work in the room, it bounces and bounces and bounces. And when it gets to a, another place, you can hear it perfectly. I didn't believe this the first time I went. I was about 13 years old. And the first time I went, and we were on a, we were on a tour, uh, and the, the uh, um, assistant to our local congressman here at the time, he took us on a tour and he said, this is my favorite spot. You've got to show it to me. And I didn't believe him. You know, I just, I, that's no way. There are people everywhere. There are people giving tours and all this stuff. And he said, I want you to stand right here. And he goes way away, other side of the room. And he just starts whispering. And I'm telling you, it was like he had a megaphone in my ears. Here's what I want to tell you today. And when you were trying to hear the whisper of God, one of the first things that you need to do is you need to get to the right place. There are places where it is easier to hear the voice of God than other places. So when, you, when I'm, I'm trying to help you learn how to hear the voice of God, right? The first thing I want you to know is get in the right place. Let me show you this in Scripture, and then I'll tell you about my whispering spot or my whispering places. Well, I have several, if you will. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting. Notice what he says here, the tent of meeting. Now, you will remember that Moses ended up setting, a, setting up a tent, which was the tabernacle of God, where the Ark of the Covenant sat. That was not this place. This was before the tabernacle was built. Moses would set up a tent, and he called it the tent of meeting. And he would set it up outside of camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Everybody say outside. outside. I want you to note, here's Moses in the middle of a couple of million people who won't quit complaining all the time. There's distractions, there's problems, there's issues, there's decisions to be made. Moses said, I can't hear from God in the middle of all this. 
So I'm going to go outside the camp and I'm going to set up a tent and I'm going to call it the tent of meeting. What am I going to do there? I'm going to listen to the voice of God. He went to a specific place to hear God's voice. Verse 9. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. So he chooses a place, a specific place, and he goes there consistently. You know, one of the things that we miss in, in hearing from God is the consistency of going to God and trying to speak with Him. If you're only going to try to talk with God about once a year, you're going to struggle to hear God. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm not knocking your ability to hear from God. I'm telling you there is uh, the consistency that we continually come to God and we listen for His voice. You'll find yourself hearing more when you listen more. So he would consistently go out there. And this is what God did. He showed up in a cloud. Are you out there this morning? He showed up in a cloud. And he began speaking to Moses. Uh, I have, um, well, let's go verse 11. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses. Here's what I love. Face to face. You want to get face to face with God? You want to talk to God? Look what he says. He speaks to him as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. He speaks to him as one would speak to a friend. You want to get close to God? You might need to separate yourself and get away from the world, away from the distractions, away from people, away from the problems. And uh, my, my the old timers used to say, I've got to go to my prayer closet. How many of you ever heard of a prayer closet? What's the point? It's not, there's nothing holy about the prayer closet. It's about getting yourself separated from the problems of the world so I can hear God. I have whispering spots. I hear from God everywhere, but there are places where I hear from God very well. One of those is actually right here in this altar. When I come pray in this altar, it never fails I hear God. When I'm struggling to hear God in other places and in in, in even in the other whispering spots that I have in my life, when I come here, I tend to hear God every single time. He may not answer the question I'm asking, but he always starts speaking. Why? Because this building represents uh, one of the greatest miracles that I personally have ever been a part of and, and been a part of the leadership team over. Uh, the, the, the miracles that God did so that we could all sit in this room today and worship God together. Um, uh, if I, I don't even have the time today to tell you story after story after story of what happened. So when I walk this altar, these floors, what I am literally doing is going back to the place where God spoke and answered prayers, where he did a miracle and he built my faith. And so when I go back there, just like he built my faith in, when I'm walking these altars and I look around this room and I look at the chairs that you're sitting in and, and, and I see everything that's happened here and I think about what God did, it builds my faith and suddenly I go, you know what, God? If you spoke then, you'll speak now. So if you're, if you're looking for your whispering spot, you might find a place where, where God has uh, done a miracle before or something that represents a place where God has done a miracle before. Look, it's not that this place is any necessarily better than another place. It's just this one happens to work for me. 
Can I tell you one? And, and I know you say, well, Pastor Renner, I don't have a church to go pray in, and, and, uh, and I don't have a miracle like that. Can I tell you another whispering spot? And I'll tell you why it works. The shower. I hear from God so clearly in the shower. It's like, it's like he shouts to me when I'm in the shower. Uh, he's whispering, but it's, it, I hear him so clearly, and here's why. I, I have a really active um, imagination and really active brain, a really analytical mind, and, and so I, I struggle to turn it off sometimes. That's one of the reasons I struggle to sleep. It's not because I'm not tired, uh, but I have to take sleeping pills because I can't make my brain stop. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going and going and going. But when I get in the shower, for some reason, it, it pushes the world out. There's no cell phones to be a distraction. There's no TV to be a distraction. It's just me and God. And I hear from God time and time and time again in the shower. So again, it's, it's not that the shower is more holy than the altar or vice versa. It's just where does God speak to you? Do you have a whispering place? Third place, God speaks to me in my truck. That ram truck, it's a whispering spot. I love, I love to worship while I drive. If you ever drive next to me, you'll see me doing one of two things. You'll either see me talking on the phone with my uh, cordless ear things, or you will see me worshiping. That's what I do in my truck. I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't like to have conversations in my truck. I like to worship and I, and I, and I like to, or I talk on the phone and I, and I deal with business. That's what I do. And man, time and time again, I will be driving down the highway. I can't tell you how many times on a Sunday morning I'm driving to church and God speaks to me for you. Just driving down the highway, just doing what you do every day, what I do every day we drive and God speaks. You need a place. And when you find the place, go there consistently. You ever been talking with someone and they said, man, we need, to, we need to get together and have a meeting. And you're like, that sounds good. But you never set a meeting. You don't get a time and you don't get a place. Does that meeting ever happen? Rarely. While you're talking to them, you know good and well, this is not going to happen. You walk off, I'm telling you, it happens to me all the time. I walk off and go, they're not calling me. It isn't because they're mad at me. It's because we didn't set a specific time and place. If you live your life saying, God, I'm, I'm going to meet with you. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend some time with you, Lord. I, I'm, I promise you it's coming. I promise you it's coming. We'll look up and day will come and day will go. And week will come and week will go. And month will come and month will go. And we will never have stopped and talked with God. So what do we do? We set a time and we set a place. Lord, I'm going to meet you in the morning, 6 a.m. in my whispering place. Will you be there? Can I tell you something? It's God's great desire to meet with you. And if you'll set an appointment, he won't miss it. He's been looking forward to it for a long time. Get in the right place. Get in the right place. Second is this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, my goodness. I forgot to tell you this. That's what I get for not looking at my notes. I wanted to read you the last part of, of uh, verse 11. Before I do, let me tell you this story. Moses, um, Moses couldn't go into the promised land. God had promised him, look, every place that your foot treads is going to be yours. 
and you're going to go in the promised land. Then Moses makes a, a terrible mistake, and God doesn't allow him or one generation of people to go into the promised land. So he passes it to his next guy in line, a guy by the name of Joshua. And Joshua says, or God says to Joshua, every place your foot treads, I'm going to give you just as I did to Moses. Why did God choose Joshua? Well, we know this. Don't put the verse up quite yet, guys. We know this. Moses sent 12 spies into the land of, in the promised land to spy out the land. Ten spies came back and said, there's giants in the land. We can't take it. They're, they're huge. He said, they said, it's great. Their grapes as large as a man's head. Now, I didn't see any of those when I was in Israel, but I don't know. Maybe they had small heads. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but there were these massive grapes. You had to carry them between two men on these huge poles. They said, they're huge. And there are giants in the land. But we can't take it. We're not capable. We're just a bunch of slaves. We, we don't know how to fight. We're not an army, and they're giants. But Joshua and Caleb came back and said, what are y'all talking about? We've got the Lord on our side. We can take the land. Let's go up and do it. They listened to the ten spies. Well, can I tell you why I believe that Joshua wasn't afraid? Joshua wasn't afraid because he wasn't listening to the voice of the naysayers. He wasn't listening to the negativity in his life. Let's look at the posture that Joshua lived with, lived in. Verse 11, put it back up there. Remember, he said, uh, Moses went and spoke face to face, right? As the Lord speaks to a friend. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Here's what would happen. Moses would go in and Joshua would go up to the door. And he would lay there down on his face. As long as Moses was listening to God, he would get as close as he could to hear the voice of God. When everyone else was back in the town afraid to hear God, Joshua said, I'm not afraid to get on my face and listen to the voice of God. So suddenly, suddenly they go into the land. And when everybody else is saying we can't do it, Joshua wouldn't listen to the voice of the negativity because he had been listening to the voice of God. The voice of God who had told them they could do it. The voice of God who had promised them the land. And he came back and said, I don't care what you say. I don't care what it looks like. I care what God has been saying and we can take the land. Whose voice are you listening to? Get in the tent of meeting. Get in the whispering spot and hear God's voice. And everyone around you may be saying the wrong thing, but when you've been listening to the voice of God, you go beyond your own understanding. It may not make sense, but when God is speaking to you, it builds your faith, it builds your confidence, it builds your assurance that God is with you. Whose voice are you listening to? We've got to get in the right place. Secondly, we've got to get around the right people. Joshua declared, look, I've got to get around Moses. This guy's hearing from God. I want to get around Moses because he's hearing from God, and if I want to hear from God, I'm going to get around him. Let me, let me show you another story from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5. This story is about King Saul. He's just been anointed king. This was the first king of Israel. God didn't want the Israelites to have a king, but they demanded a king. So he gave them a king, and he gave them Saul. The prophet Samuel has just anointed him as king. What does that mean? It means he took anointing oil, and he poured it all over his head, and he blessed him, and he prayed over him. And he gave him instructions. And here's what he says in verse, verse 6. 
He's giving instruction. He said, he said um, I wanted to start in verse 5, guys. I, I may have told you wrong. I apologize. Let's start in verse 5. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. Now, I want you to note this word, prophets. Prophets were the ones who would hear from God and declare the word of God for the people. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, a lyre, and they will be prophesying. We also see in this verse a connection between what's happening in worship and what God is speaking. It's why so often, it's why it's so important that our team is spirit-led every week because we're not just choosing good songs, we're praying about the songs and trying to get the right ones because what are they trying to do? They're trying to hear what God is saying to you and in the middle of worship, God will start speaking to you right where you are. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I, I told you anytime Spirit is capitalized in the Bible, New Testament or Old Testament, who's he referring to? The Holy Spirit. Okay? So we, we, what we call the Holy Spirit, this is what in, in the Old Testament was often called the Spirit of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Now let's remember what a prophet is. A prophet is one who would hear from God and then speak the word of God to the people. Here's what happened. Samuel, or Saul, is not a prophet. He hasn't even been anointed as a prophet. He's been anointed as a king. And yet Samuel says, look, when you get around the people who are prophesying, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you and you're going to prophesy too. Back that up. When you get around people who are hearing the voice of God, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, and you're going to hear the voice of God too. We get so caught up spending our lives around people who aren't even trying to hear the voice of God. Why don't we spend some time around people who are actively hearing God's voice? Let's see if it happened. Um, let's go to verse... Uh, let's go to verse 7 real fast. Um, after these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. What are you saying? What, do what God tells you. Do the instructions that you're given. Go down to a couple verses here. Verse 10. So here it is. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of, group of prophets coming towards them. So here it is. The word of God. Samuel heard the word of God. He spoke the word of God. And now it's happening right in front of them. There's a group of prophets come in. Suddenly the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came powerfully upon Saul and he too began to prophesy. Here's a man that had never heard God's voice before. He had never spoken the word of God before. But when he got around people who were hearing from God, his ears were opened, his mouth was opened, and he suddenly began to speak. I find this to be very true in, in my life, that when, we, when I get around people who are hearing from God, it helps me hear the whisper of God. Go to verse 11. I want to show you what, the, what they say of him. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet now? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, 
If Saul can be a prophet, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of the saying, is even Saul a prophet? Here's the point. They're saying, he's not the son of a prophet. He's not the son of of one of the judges of Israel. He's, He's like a nobody. He's just a normal guy. How can a normal guy hear from God? Here's the beauty of it. If Saul can become a prophet, can hear the voice of God and speak the word of God, Here's the truth. All of us can hear the voice of God. People look at you and you say, man, I just really feel like God told me. They say, who are you? Like, can just anybody hear God? Yes. Yeah, but you're not, you're not a pastor. You're not a pastor's son. You're, 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 you're not this. You're not that. Doesn't matter. If Saul can hear from God, you can hear from God. If Saul could become a prophet, you can become a prophet. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, look, it's in the nature of God to speak. It's in God's nature to speak. All we have to do is listen. We don't have to be special. We don't have to be great. We just have to be ready to listen. You too can get a word from God. Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice. They're listening for my voice. Jesus is wanting to speak to us. God is wanting to speak to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, teaches us about the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit given to men. One of those is the gift of prophecy, the ability to hear from God and declare His works over your life, declare His word over li- your life. You, you have that gift. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 to stir up the gifts of God which on the, are on the inside of you through the laying on of hands. The gifts of God are on the inside of you. The ability to hear is there. The ability to prophesy over your own life is there. You just have to stir it up and listen. I remember when I first started understanding this gift, um, we had uh, a, a prophet come through and, and was, was preaching. And I, was, I happened to be sitting next to my dad on the front row. I was a young man um, in my late, late teenage years. <clears throat> And as I'm sitting on the front row, I had heard from God before, but I won't tell you it was like an active thing. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't hearing God all the time. But man, as soon as he would get up and start speaking, even before he started prophesying, as soon as he started speaking, I could start hearing God speak. And I started writing things down. I started saying things. And I turned to Dad. I'm like, why am I all of a sudden hearing from God? And Dad said, son, it's because his gift is stirring up your gift. His ability to hear from God is stirring up your ability to hear from God, but it's not just doing it for you, it's doing it for everyone in the room. What's the point? We don't just get in the right place. If you're struggling to hear from God, get around the right people. How many people in your life, you know good and well, they're not listening to God, they're not listening to you, they're not listening to anyone, they're just doing whatever they want. Don't listen to them. Spend some time around people who are hearing from God. Find you a life team where they're talking about how to hear from God. Our life, do we have one more session of life teams? We got one more session of life teams. We actually have a, a life team uh, in, in, that, that meets, that talks every week about how to hear the voice of God. Get around people that are hearing the voice of God. 
get to a prayer meeting. Find, a, find somebody in this altar to pray. They know how to hear from God and watch how to stir. It's not just about getting a word from someone else. That's not even the point. God wants to speak to you. Get around people. I feel like I'm preaching really good this morning. And I don't know if you are just soaking it in. If you're, if I, am, I, am I boring? Do you mean to do like a song and dance this morning? I, I'm trying to help you hear from God. Get to the right place and get around the right people. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, Hebrews chapter 1. And I'm going to go over this one very quickly. I'm going to hit this, um, but we're going to continue on this subject for the next couple of weeks. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. We see here, as the writer of Hebrews is, is talking to the Jewish people, uh, he, he's giving kind of a history, but he's also giving principles that we learn from Scripture. And one of them is this. God speaks often, and he speaks in many different ways. God has different languages. The truth is, God doesn't speak to people the exact same way all the time. Uh, I, I know people that hear from God in many different ways, and, and we'll talk about this uh, later on this series. But my wife, who's at home recovering from surgery this week, thank you for your prayers and, and all the words. She's doing great, but she's at home recovering today. But she hears from God. One of the primary ways she hears from God is through dreams. Now, I personally feel like this is a cop-out. Like you went to sleep, you had a dream, and you woke up and knew what you were supposed to do. You didn't have to like, you didn't pray, you didn't fast for three days, you just slept. I kid. Um, but I don't hear from God in dreams very often. Every now and then I do, and I love it when it happens, and it's amazing how I always wake up, I, I always wake up and know exactly that that's, this was God. But, but she does. I don't hear from God that way very often. I hear from God in different ways. Um, oftentimes, one of the ways that I will hear from God is I will get um, specific words from God, and I'll, I will actually see them written out in my spirit, almost in my mind. Like if my eyes were closed, I can see the word written out. I don't even always hear it. I read it. I see it. Okay? One of the reasons for that is I, I learn when I read. Right? Uh, what, do you, what do you call that? Uh, not auditory. What's the other one? Visual. So when I read things... I, I remember things and I learn things. So w when my staff comes to meet with me, I always say to them, bring me something in writing. Uh, I actually don't even want it emailed. I want it in writing because there's something about it being in front of me that helps me get, get it into me. So God speaks to me in the same way. There's a million different ways that God can speak to you. I'm going to cover um, seven languages, or I'm going to try to cover all seven. Uh, there are more, but I, I'm going to cover seven of the primary ways that God speaks to us and see if he, you, you've been thinking God wasn't speaking to you, but he might have been speaking to you all along. Now, I'm only going to get to one today, and I'm going to try to cover it very quickly um, and hit five points. The first, in the, in the, the foundational way, the, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. He speaks to us through scripture. He, he speaks to us through the Bible. And if you are not reading your Bible, then you are missing out on an opportunity for God to speak with you. Let me tell you a couple quick things uh, about the Word of God. First of all, this. Scripture is our key of keys. It's our key of keys. Well, that's an interesting term, Pastor Randall. What do you mean? Um, in Washington, D.C., uh, on the coast, it's actually uh, a, a few yards inland now because of the way the, the coastline has changed. But there is a place where General Braddock landed in 1755, and he had a young assistant with him by the name of George Washington. And George Washington recorded the rock that he used as a landing spot, 
and a, uh, a marker in where they landed and what they did. They went on and fought in the French and Indian War. Um, but that rock came to be known as Braddock Rock. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Braddock Rock. It was a huge uh, rock outcropping that along the coast you could see it everywhere you were and even when you were inland you could see the rock this point this rock became a starting point for all the surveys all the maps that were drawn uh, and how the city was laid out it started right here with this rock so navigators would use it map makers would use it so no matter where you were if you were lost you would find the rock you would find braddock's rock you would look Get up on something, climb a tree, climb a mountain, whatever you had to do. You'd find Braddock's Rock, and then you could locate yourself from there. They called it the Key of Keys, Braddock's Rock. And I believe that Scripture is the same way. No matter where you are in life, no matter how far you may have drifted, the Bible never changes. It's always the same. It is always our rock and our foundation that we can go to and we can locate ourselves and we can locate where God is and how to get back on track. When we're lost, go to the Word of God. When you're not sure what to do, go to the Word of God. When you're a little off course, go to the Word of God because His Word never changes. It's that place on the map that we can always look to. Here's the beautiful thing about God's Word. It isn't, it isn't stuck on the coast like Braddock's Rock. It goes with you in your life everywhere you go. All you've got to do is open it up and God will begin speaking through his word. Scripture is our key of keys. Number two, scripture gives guidelines, but the Holy Spirit is our guide. So scripture gives guidelines. It's, it's telling about the ways of God, uh, how God does this, how God does that. He's given us principles. He's giving us instructions. Um, but for instance, if you're trying to decide, uh, Lindsay and I uh, are in the process of buying a house right now. We looked at a million houses. But if you're trying to decide between two houses, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to open up Scripture and find a verse and God, God speaks to you and, and the psalmist said, yes, Randon, buy the house at 6220 Regina Lane. How many know that verse is not in there? But he gives us guidelines. He gives us guidelines. What the Holy Spirit does is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life is he takes the guidelines of the Scripture and he applies them to the specific situations in our lives. So one of the amazing things about, about Scripture and about what the Holy Spirit is, you'll be reading along, you'll be praying about a decision, you'll be reading along, and suddenly God will highlight a Scripture and the Holy Spirit will apply that verse to the situation you're in. Are you with me? So the Bible is giving us these guidelines, but it takes the Holy Spirit to then apply it to the specific situations in our lives. Uh, th th this is, it, is, it is vital that we read the Word of God. We read the Word of God with the Holy Spirit. Because if not, the Word of God can be used. It can be, ab uh, be used to abuse. It can be misused. You remember when Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness and was tempting him? What was he tempting him with? He was tempting him using the Word of God. So I don't want to just take the Word of God and throw it all over the place and, and use it to beat people up or use it to convince myself that it's okay to sin or whatever else the case may be. No, no, no. I let the Holy Spirit speak to me and, and, uh, you, and let the Holy Spirit cause the Word to become real in my life for that situation. Number three, 
Scripture, and this is one of my favorites, Scripture is alive. It's called the living word. This is not a dead word. This is not a dead Bible. Yes, it it was written over thousands of years with, with dozens of different writers, but it is a living word. It is the living word of God. You can read this Bible day in and day out and day in and day out. And you can have read a verse a dozen times, but suddenly you read it, and it comes alive to you, and God speaks to you, and and it makes sense to you, or He says something different to you through it. Why? The Word of God is alive. Here's what the rabbinic teachings say. They say that every word in Scripture, every single word, has 70 faces and 600,000 meanings. What does that tell us? That tells us you can study the Word of God for a lifetime and never get it all and keep learning and God keeps speaking to you and keep talking to you about every situation in your life. Um, when I was younger, we, uh, we did a deal one time and we were having staff prayer every day and, and uh, Dad was leading it. And so every day we'd pray for a little while at private and then we'd come together and we would read a psalm and then we would have some corporate prayer time. And so every day we'd read a psalm and someone would... Uh, volunteer to read. Well, it was happened to be my day, and I'm reading along, and I was in a situation in my life when I was trying to understand what God was doing and, and how my life was fitting together, and the timing wasn't working out, and it just the seasons weren't working out. It just wasn't making sense. And so I open the scripture to Psalm 31. I, I get to reading, and I read, and I'm just reading to, the, to the, our staff, and I'm, and I'm reading, and when I get to verse 15, the Bible says, the writer said, my times are in your hands. I had read Psalm 31 before. I'd like to tell you that I didn't miss that verse. I'm just going to tell you this. In that moment, the, the Holy Spirit touched me so deep. And he spoke to me and he said, Randon, that verse was for you right now. My, and I, I remember standing there and I had to read. I kept rereading the same thing. And people were looking at me like, well, I, I was, it wasn't about you. God was speaking to me in that moment from the pages of Scripture. And he was saying, Randon, your times, your seasons, the things going on, don't worry about the timing. It's all in my hands. And the peace of God came over me right there. I didn't necessarily get the answer about what I was supposed to do, but I felt the peace of God come over me because he said, your times are in my hands. Now, I read that verse on a regular basis. I love that verse. It's one of my favorites in Scripture, uh, Psalm 31 and 15. I love that verse. But, you know, it doesn't quite have the same impact to me all the time. Is it dead? No. But boy, there are other verses that when I need them, they just come alive to me. Because the Word of God is a living thing. Paul, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he said, All Scripture is God-breathed. He breathed Scripture. And yes, man wrote it down, but he breathed into man for them to, to, to pen the words. It was God-breathed. It was His words, and they're still speaking today. Peter said it like this. He said that the writers were moved by the Holy Spirit. Why is this word alive? Uh, Mark Batterson said it this way. He said that the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writers of the Bible, still inspires the readers of the Bible today. When you read, the Holy Spirit inspires you and the Word of God comes alive. It is a living thing. Um, just a couple of quick notes. If you're, if you're struggling and you feel like it's not alive to you, change translations. 
Change translations. It'll be amazing how God will come alive to you in his scripture just by changing translations. Keeps it fresh. Change your reading plan. Read something else um, to keep it living, keep it alive, keep it fresh. Number four, scripture settles deep inside of us. It settles deep inside of us. This, it, it, uh, the, word, the, the writer of Hebrews went on to say, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and deeps. The Word of God settles deep inside of us. It gets beyond the excuses. It gets beyond our problems. It gets beyond the things we're telling the world, where lies we're telling the world and lies we're telling ourselves, and it gets deep inside of us, and it gets become a part of our spirit, who we are. We read the Word of God, and the Word of God reads us. As we read, um, Paul talked about it as a mirror. As we read, it exposes things in us. Maybe not to the whole world, but to you and I. No matter the situation, the Word of God, if you can get it deep on the inside of you, wants to shine through. Last one. Scripture reframes our lives. It reframes our lives. Word reframe means to form or make as by fitting and uniting parts together. It means to construct. It devises or composes a plan. It's like putting together a poem. Uh, it's to conceive or imagine. When I tell you that the, the Word of God reframes our life, we, our, our lives may have been constructed in one way, but when we begin to read the Word of God, He'll take the pieces apart and He will rebuild in our lives the way we see it, the way we view our lives, the way we view the situations that we're going through, the way we view the struggles that we're facing. He will reframe it or rebuild it or reconstruct it or re-envision it or redream it. He will write a different poem. The poem you were, you were writing was sad and broken and beat up, but God says, I want to write a poem with a very different ending if you'll let me reframe it through his word spend some time studying psalm 119 it's the longest chapter in the bible it's got 176 verses and they're all about the word of god the, the scripture the laws of god the promises of god this is what it's about it is about the word of god if you're down and you're discouraged and you're depressed, let the Word of God reframe you. For in Psalm 119, 49, he said, Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. Remember what you promised me in this thing, because when I read it, I find hope. We reframe it. We go from discouragement and depression and, and, and being down to, to being ha having hope. If you're anxious and you're stressed and you're worried, we read verse 165 who said, Those who love your law or your word have great peace. When we read the word of God, it fights through the stress and the worry and the anxiety and it inserts peace in the same place. No future. Everything is dead. No possibility attacked on every side verse 50 this is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life i love what the king james version says he says your your word quickens me i am quickened by your word that's an interesting that's an interesting phrase we don't use the word quicken very often anymore and when we do use the word quicken, we, we see the root word in there, quick, and we think it means fast or expedient, but that's not really what it means. The word quicken means to make alive again. It's the same word used in, in Scripture for physical resurrection. Here's what the psalmist said. 
when I'm going through troubled times, when I'm going through places and my life seems dead, it seems broken, it seems like it's not working, I feel like I have no future, I feel like I have no hope, here's what your word does. It resurrects my life. It resurrects my dreams. It resurrects my hope. It resurrects my happiness. It resurrects my family when it's being torn apart. It resurrects my marriage when it's broken into pieces. It resurrects my body when it's rattled with disease. If I can just get the word of God, he will bring resurrection power right into your life. Every time you read, this is what God wants to do. He says, I'm looking for an area of your life to quicken or to bring back to life again or to resurrect. We ought to spend less time watching TV and more time reading this thing right here. Because every time you do, life is inserted into you. I want to pray over you today. I want to pray two things. Number one, that, that every person in this room, every person, person watching online would fall in love with the Word of God again. And that as you pray... And as you read the Word of God, it would come alive to you just like it has to me and so many others that the Word of God would come alive to you and He would speak to you. And when He does, He would resurrect dead things in your life. He would give you hope. He would give you peace and every other promise that Scripture holds. The Bible says it comes to you through Jesus. And through Jesus, all of the promises are yes and amen. And here's what he goes on to say. When God does it in you, it gives glory to God. So we say, Lord, as I'm reading your scripture, I'm reading your promises. I, I do it in my life, but I don't want the glory. You take all the glory. May you be glorified just by reading your word and have the promises come to pass in my life. Can I pray over you this morning? Father, I'm praying for every person in this room that we would fall in love with your word. We would fall in love with scripture. And in it, Lord, we would find your promises that you would reframe our minds. That as your word comes alive to us, when, when we're down and we're depressed, Lord, you would give us hope. When we're struggling with stress and anxiety and worry, God, you would give us peace just by reading your word. Lord, even before we have understanding, you're giving us peace. And Lord, for those of us that are going through difficult times and we're, we're struggling, we don't feel like uh, that our marriage has hope, that our family has a future. Things just seem to be dying all around us. They're broken all around us. Lord, I am believing that every time we read your word, resurrection power is going to come through the verses in that scripture. Lord, and it, it is, isn't even about the specific verse we read. It's by going to your word, we are going to find life and we're going to find hope there. For your word gives us life. I thank you for reviving dead places in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to keep listening for the voice of God. Read your, read your Bible and find your whispering place. Get to the right place and around the right people. And God's going to keep speaking to you. We're going to keep talking more about other languages. We're going to keep breaking it down. Are you enjoying this series so far? All right. God bless you. Our host is coming.